to this week's episode of Equity Gals. I'm your host, Julia, and I am with my co-host. Amy Baker, hello. Hello, how are you, Amy? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. I'm pretty, um, what a week. I feel like I'm repeating myself from last week, but it's been a great week. A lot's been achieved. Um, I'm excited about this uh, episode. We're not going to be talking so much about investing, but I guess how you can get started if you've got debt. So we're talking about how we can kick goals when you have bad debt. In other words, really manage our cash flow to our advantage. Yeah. Um, Okay. So as we mentioned previously, uh, before every episode, we are going to start with a weekly mantra. Uh, I did forget last week. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so this week's mantra was, it wasn't a waste of money if it was important to you. And so I thought this was a really great, great mantra um, leading into this week. Just, just as like a good reminder that like, you know, there is, there is situations where you are sort of splurging and just spending ridiculously, but there is sometimes there's instances where you should reward yourselves and spend a little bit of money if you think it, you know, if it's meaningful to you and that, you know, you want to just buy yourself something nice every now and then. Um, that's just a good reminder and like a nice reward and if it makes you feel good I mean I do it sometimes like sometimes I'll just randomly spend a little bit more than what I would normally if I was to buy myself something just because you know it makes me feel good and it's a good reminder that um, I'm doing well. Absolutely well the key to investing I always say this and anyone who knows me I always say investing is like having your cake and eat it too. Um, so if you've got your money sorted, then why not enjoy it as well? The other part of this is knowing that, um, knowing that if you sort of know what you want and you've got some goals that buying is, can be either just frivolously buying or could be investing. So when I go and buy myself an outfit, I'm, you know, cautious and aware of, well, what have I already got? What do I need? And then I'm not going just blindly just to get that dopamine hit for the sake of purchase. I'm actually investing in something that's going to get, be used and appreciated on a regular basis. So yeah, I'm not against, um, you know, being a financial planner. I think people think that I'm all about budgeting and being really strict with my money, but I think the whole idea of money is that it flows into our lives, it flows out of our lives, we invest it wisely and we can enjoy it. So I love that mantra. Thank you. Yeah, that's why I thought it was a good mantra just to remind people that, you know, this is a finance podcast, but we're not always just in investing all of our hard-earned money into the stock market. We do we do like to buy ourselves some nice things and that is also okay. Absolutely. All right, let's get down yeah, to it. Yeah, let's get into it. I did want to also mention though that I um I finally did it. I set myself up on um on crypto and I'm investing in some crypto now. <laughs> Amy's a bit skeptical about the crypto market. Yeah, we're going to do we're going to get some someone we haven't found yet who but we are going to get someone on to talk about crypto. Um so I've set up yeah. a little mini diversified crypto I I call it my cryptolio. So <laughs> Oh, yeah. okay. Well, we'll have to get you talking about that on another episode for sure. Yeah, I got excited. I wanted to tell you. All right. So let's get into this. Um, I wanted to, first of all, share my first experience with a credit card. Um, I listened to a podcast this morning and it was a bit of a, um, it was Glenn James and he was having a bit of a rant. Um, if you don't know who he is, he's from My Millennial Money. 
And he was talking about, you know, uh, interest-free credit cards and just getting into debt and, and, you know, the crazy things that we do with money and, you know, the importance of actually getting out of debt and managing cash flow and having goals. It was a very short and sharp message. He was actually on a bit of a, a rant, which I like, so he's quite fired up about it. And um, it got me thinking and I thought, you know, we all have our money stories and one of my, you know, my first experience with a credit card was one that had me really steer away from the idea of credit cards for a very long time. So I got my first credit card when I was about 18 and it was a store card. I was 18. I remember I was straight out of high school. And it was a store card with um, Grace Brothers. So that shows my age because Grace Brothers has been Myers in New South Wales for a while now. So for, yeah. I did not even know that. You didn't know that. So Grace Brothers was uh, Maya and it just had a different name in, in New South Wales because I think Maya took over the Grace Brothers store and then grew it as a department store. Anyway, that's another story. Um Yeah, and I remember being in there and I was in the city, the city store, and I found this most amazing coat. I didn't have the money for it, so I applied for their store card then and there and I got approved and I walked out of that store with this freaking awesome coat and I loved this coat. Now, this coat would have been probably the most expensive piece I owned in my my diet, my my um wallet. So, what did this coat coat look like? Could you? <laughs> I'm really curious. If it was um, it was a black, double breasted, um, but had an A line, uh, from the hip down, sort of to I guess midway to my my thighs, and you could you could tie it up to your neck or you could have it open. Um, and it sort of really was quite figure hugging. It was almost like a dress, but a coat. Um, it was this amazing coat. It was beautiful and it was quite, I don't know. The fabric was like fur. No, it wasn't fur though. It was like wool, but it was furry. It had a texture to it, like velvet. It was like velvety and it was just, but a thick velvety. Um, oh, it was really beautiful. And Anyway, I walked out of that store, incredibly proud of myself. It was probably worth a week's income, right? So I think about what that would be worth in today's dollars. And I would say with inflation, I'd say that would be about 1500 maybe two grand. We're talking over 20, 25 years here, right? It would have been worth about that in today's dollars. So it was a pretty damn expensive piece of clothing for me. And I was chuffed because I walked away and it didn't feel like it cost me a cent, right? I just signed some paperwork and woo, there it is. I got this free coat almost. The point was though, about 18 months later, um, I left the coat in a cab and I never got to see it again, which really broke my heart. But the other thing was I was living at home when I first got it. And I was a mean, so, you know, I, was, I think I had to pay board. Yes, I did have to pay board, but I had no other expenses. So I was working and everything I earned pretty much just funded my lifestyle. And I'd get the statement and I'd just sort of pay a small amount. I really wasn't paying attention to the interest rates or how much I was paying or anything like that. And it was after that the coat was left in the cab, I realized I, I got, you know, the mail and I got really shitty because... I had this 
bill for something I didn't even own anymore. Like it, it's gone. And I actually paid attention at this point, and I'm sure I'm not alone with this. I was really young, but when you kind of go, I don't even own it anymore. What's what? How much have I got left? I've got to get rid of this. This is, you know, annoying. And I realized that actually I owed almost the same amount of what that uh, the price tag was back uh, 18 months prior because all I'd been doing was paying down just interest and the interest was something ridiculous like 20% or you know somewhere between 17 or 20% like store card interest rates are and that was the the worst doozy kind of financial mistake I had ever made and um you know I've obviously we've got to forgive ourselves I was I was young and I didn't really know what I was doing um and I didn't read read the fine print but I was very shy from getting any credit cards thereafter I had to get on to working hard and clearing that debt as quick as I could because I just did not like the fact that I'd lost that that coat as well so it felt to me like an absolute punishment interestingly enough yeah so that was my first experience and it sort of I didn't get back in you know I didn't have any credit card until my first marriage so my husband and I ex-husband and I we divorced with three little boys um but he was one of those people that just loved shiny new objects wanted the new motorcycle or um the new whiz bang tv and would get you know he'd get go to the Harvey Norman with the, you know, 50-month interest-free offers and, you know, that would then have to cut into our budget. And when you have got little kids and you're working really hard, that kind of became painful too. So when we separated and then eventually divorced, I, you know, there was there was um, credit card debt that had occurred through that marriage that I guys, you know, it's it's that relationship debt that you can kind of get into. And it's something actually that's a topic in itself we will talk about. But my point is I'm not sure I've not actually um, been a saint when it comes to my money. And after that being a single mum and three boys, and I think Brandon was maybe two and a half or three when my husband and I split. So I had a three-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old or six-year-old or something like that. They were little. They were little boys. And I started my business and I, I started my business from scratch. So I was working part-time in a cafe and a restaurant and also operating a financial planning business. So, you know, that's the sort of the lessons of hard knocks. I, I very learned, I very quickly learned, although I was good with money and I, I educated, I was a financial advisor. Um, I was on a single income living in Sydney in the eastern suburbs, trying to keep the roof over my head, trying to maintain independence and meet all my boys' needs, um, and clients weren't just flying through the door at that time. You know, it was uh, I'd had to really build up my reputation as an advisor and um, slowly build my business. So, especially in a male-dominated industry, absolutely, absolutely. And I didn't have it. I was working from home. It was a different world back then, and I had to be very frugal. So, the systems, the banking system, and pro, like cash flow process that I created back then I still teach my clients now and it works it's foolproof I believe and if you get it right and you automate it you are smooth sailing it's pretty amazing um, and basically there's three things that you need to consider when you want to grow your wealth clear debt and manage your cash flow first you need to know your numbers what you earn what you're committed to and what is left over 
and I'll go into this and break it down a bit later, but uh, know your numbers is the absolute number one thing. Now, when you have debt, that's the second part of knowing your numbers. So you may have a minimum amount that you're paying to that debt, but you might find that that will take forever to clear. Great website is the ASIC Money Smart website. It has um, a debt calculator, so you can actually put in your interest rates on this and find out exactly how much you should be paying if you've got a time frame you want to actually clear that debt in. So really, really cool. I would recommend check that out. So it's important to know what interest rates you're paying as well. Now, if you can, I would be recommending if your your, um, credit rating is good enough, I recommend that you go and do an interest-free, like roll over all your debt into an interest-free card or or roll it in, consolidate into a personal loan where you'll find personal loans usually are lower in interest than a credit card. But what you do need to do is have a look at what you can do with that debt and want to, and you want to put a time frame to reduce that debt. Um, so that's important to do as well. And then the number three is you must have a goal. Now I say this in every single podcast and I'm never going to, you never stop saying this. I'm never going to stop saying have a damn goal, have more than one goal, have small, short, goals and long-term goals. Break your goals down into bite-sized pieces, but make sure you have an end game. You will be more successful when you actually set some goals. So if that means when you've got debt, I want to clear by debt by X amount of weeks or, or years or whatever, depending on the size of the debt. And if you want to actually also grow your wealth, you want to be able to say, I'm putting X amount away each week and stick to it. So if you do follow a, a, you know, a cash flow system, a budgeting system, or use budget softwares, um, that's fantastic. And if you don't and you want to know more about mine, I can break it down. But what I always do is set up 90 days. So I get a CSV file from my bank of 90 days of transactions. I capture 90 days and that gives me insight to what quarterly bills look like, what my monthly bills look like, what random expenses look like, you know, your Apple and your Netflix and things that don't always fall into, say, a monthly category. So usually 90 days you can capture that. Then you want to look at how you can uh, automate this. So if you are paid weekly, you schedule your payments weekly. If you're paid fortnightly, you do the same. So for example, you get your you find your electricity bill there and it's $200 a quarter you times that by four, then you divide that by your period of payments. So your your weekly salary or fortnightly salary or your monthly salary. And then you've got into a spreadsheet, you work out all of these numbers, then you go back to your online banking system and you schedule out those amounts to be paid on the day your salary gets paid. You then pay yourself what I call your variable or your discretionary. So your money for food, clothing, things that just sort of don't have a fixed amount that you are not committed to through um, a contract of some sort, basically. So your rent, your or mortgage, your electricity bill, your gym membership, um, Amazon, Apple, iTunes, um, your phone bill, your internet, all of that, they would be considered your fixed expenses. Your variables are your fun stuff, going out for drinks with the girls on a Friday night, you know, kicking the shops you know, every now and then or um, going out for dinner and also groceries. 
things that actually just fluctuate from week to week. So you set that money aside. Now you've also got your debt and you also want to be saving. So you've got to be paying yourself an amount to clear debt and you've got to be paying yourself an amount to invest. So I hope that that was a big rundown there on those three things. But um, And we will put in show notes some step-by-step guide on how to do that. Um, so make note, Julia, I've got to do that for the show notes. Um, <laughs> we'll definitely make a note for that. I actually had a question. So how frequently are you reviewing your, um, cash flow, like this plan that you're, well, the first part of this is the first part. When you set this up, you want to be checking in on this every time you get paid because, when you like anything, when you're trying to automate a process, sometimes there's a few roadblocks along the way. There's a few hiccups. So I would be recommending the first three months you check in regularly. Now this is actually really good for you if you've got if you've had that personality of putting your head in the sand and avoiding for a very long time, and you've gone right enough's enough. I've got to do this. So you can basically create a bit of a habit stack. Um, that's from James Clear from Atomic Habits. Like. So, um, what habit stacking is, is starting small, little little things and making adjustments and making that habit bigger and bigger and bigger. So um, I, I always say if you are one to avoid, then when you're doing something like, oh, in a weekly, okay, on a Monday morning, you might look on your, you know, you might over breakfast be in the habit of going and opening your iPhone and looking at your week schedule. At that point, you add in, you log on to your internet banking and you look at your scheduled um, banking and not and not what, you know, all of those kind of things. So that's a habit stack. But then we also want you to be double-checking, making sure that, um, that those numbers are correct. You don't want to be overcommitted. And if those numbers are wrong, if those if you're spending more than you're earning – then we've got a bit of an issue here, right? We've got to look at um, cutting back on some of those fixed expensive expenses, maybe not having Disney Plus, Netflix and everything else. I don't like calling um, uh, this a budget because a budget's a bit like a diet which seems restrictive, but we've also got to get on top of how we're managing our money as well. So I call it a cash flow management system. Yeah. I've tried budgets in the past um as well and like they do they do work to an extent but I think but I think this method works better cuz I also do operate under this same system where I'll go through all my like income and my expenses and then deposit oh, um doing the like internet banking deposit scheduled payments that is the best thing ever because <laughs> you literally, once you set it up, you don't even have to worry about it. It just yeah, goes into you know the accounts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your bills are being paid, which is really cool. And then, you know, when you've gone over because you're having to log in and check because you've run out of money for the month. And then that's a bit of a concern um, yeah. for what you've allocated or supposedly. Allocated. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I will. I think what we'll, I have to work out how we can show demonstrate if we can put in the show notes um, a bit of a table. So what I do is show what a fixed account is. So if you've got a mortgage and you have an offset account, that's where all your income should be going into and that's where your fixed expenses get paid out of and then the savings sit in there because you're off, it, there's much money in that account will offset the mortgage, right? So some people you know, might not know what an offset account 
is. I mean, most people oh. do, but some people might not. Okay, so an offset account is a bank account that's linked to your mortgage. And what it what it does is if you've got money sitting in there quite, you know, substantial amount, you might have your all your savings sitting in there and your regular income gets put in there, what whatever money's in that off that account will offset the interest owed against that mortgage for that period of time that that money's in that account. Yeah, so it takes it off the loan amount. It takes it off the loan. Yep, it's sort of like mirrors. It's a really good way to reduce your mortgage. Another strategy reducing your mortgage is, is having an offset account. Um, so one, so when you've got your fixed expenses paid, you then pay yourself through your variables. Now, paying yourself can be done in a few ways. Paying yourself is also paying to a savings strategy, a savings to invest strategy. Some of the tricks that I've got, now we should go into this because we want you to invest, right? But it's a bit of a roadblock to invest when you've got debt. And that's why we thought we'd have this conversation today because people will be listening to us going, oh, that's all good and well, but Jesus, I've got like $50,000 in credit card and personal debt. How the hell am I going to get able to start investing when I have all this debt to deal with? Exactly. We were actually yeah. having this conversation offline and Amy was actually asking me and prompting me, you know, what would you do if you had, for example, $5,000 worth of debt and you had that money saved up? Would you pay that off or would you, you know, do you have to account for certain expenses? But, you know, obviously I was thinking from my own personal perspective and, you know, I'm I'm young and still living at home with my parents and I don't have many expenses in that regard. And so I said to her, like, I would pay that off and then um, like straight away. But then when Amy put it into perspective in terms of other people's experiences, which she's going to explain now. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, so uh, there are people that use my like automated banking system and they like to have a credit card for points, for example, and every month they get paid, they just clear that credit card in one hit and they don't pay interest, but they're getting points, they're getting rewarded to do it that way. And that's absolutely fine if you are able to do that, if you have the discipline to do that. And um, you know all your expenses are simply set up in that credit card and you just transfer from your income to that, then it's it's absolutely fine. But if you're the kind of person that sees a credit card and it's like, woo, free money, I would avoid credit cards whatsoever, you know, altogether. If you want something, you save for it. Um, you know, we are in a world of instant gratification. There are ways you can budget things through, um, you know, with afterpay and that, but that can also get quite dangerous. So just be mindful of your personality type and, and just be really honest with yourself because that's also a problem. So going back to um, what Julia was saying, yeah, if you had $5,000 sitting in your bank and you had a credit card that had a balance of $5,000, well, logic would say, why don't you just clear it? If that's all you have and you've got a job that isn't, you know, you don't know that as we all experienced this in the last two years, over the last two years with COVID last year and this year, um, we just don't know what's around the corner. So is it safe to just clear your savings to clear a debt? Maybe not. I, I'm, a, I'm of the school of thought now everybody has their opinion on this. I'm of the school of thought to have your safety net, to have an amount that you will fall back on 
and that should be able to pay all your expenses, including the debt you would owe for a period of time until you are back on your feet and back into work. So $5,000 sitting in a savings account, a good maybe half of that could go to the debt, absolutely clear that. And of, of course, as I said in the beginning of the show, first thing to do is look if you can get a better better interest rate, rate or even go to zero balance and then create a plan on clearing that debt as quickly as possible. If you've managed to save that $5,000, you'll, you'll, you'll find it easy to clear the debt. What I also be recommending is putting out a bit of a spreadsheet with dates to go when you want that debt cleared. So again, going to that Money Smart website and you can actually go, how many months would that take if I paid $200 to clear something? So you've got to be mindful. Everyone's situation is different. So going back to what you said, Julia, if I had $5,000 and I had $5,000 debt, I would just clear it. But your situation is that you're living with mum and dad, you don't have any overheads and um, you could pretty much get part-time work and be fine. You're not going to be out in the street. But if you're paying rent, you may have dependents, then it wouldn't be smart to just throw all of that money onto a debt when you might not have anything else to fall back on. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard when you've got a family and you've got things to pay for. And yeah, so you've got to be, you've got to sort of. There's a delicate balance. So one thing I recommend when you've got, especially if you've got multiple debts, if you can't consolidate them into one, or get the zero transfer offer, um, the snowball effect is a really great method, a great strategy to clear debt. So it, what what it does is. Um, you look for the smallest owing amount first and you focus on clearing that, right? And while you're focused on clearing that, you just basically pay minimum on whatever else is there. And then once that's cleared, the amount that you put on that debt, say, for example, it's 50 and you be, you were putting maybe 20 on one credit card and 20 on another. So in total, you're committed to $90 a week on clearing three types of debts. And that 50 over three or four weeks has cleared that debt. And now you move that 50 to the second one. Now, when you're talking, what I do is also look at the um, interest rate. So we want to go where the highest interest rate is. So you go there and, um, if you know, high interest rate and or the, uh, the smallest um, balance, right? And then you move that 50 now is 70, right? So you've got 70 and you're putting 70 towards that each week. And then once that's cleared, you've got the other one that you've been putting 20 on. Now you've got 90 and you just bang, 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 and that goes out. So that's how you see the snowball effect actually work. I also would be saying at the same time, more for the mindset, more for the habit stacking concept to also be putting, even if it's $20, whatever you can afford, a $5, $3, something into savings to see something grow, to see that you're working towards something in a positive, not a negative, because that can really switch the flick, uh, flick the switch on the way you perceive money. It's a more of a reward. And when you're getting reward, what happens to our bodies? Our bodies get dopamine. We feel good. It's woohoo. That's a good thing, right? And that becomes addictive. Wow. Look, I've managed to put 
even though I'm paying all this debt down and I've got all this going on and I've got all these other expenses, I've still managed to pay myself and put this money away in that savings. And then we can go even further because we are an investment um, podcast. We can go further and we can say, why don't you use something like Raise? And we are not sponsored by Raise by all means, but somewhere where you're micro-investing, where you can put $5 that is actually going into the market so that you're getting more involved into the direction you want to go in with investing versus feeling like your current situation is pulling you down and keeping you stuck and not being able to move forward. So that's my... That's such a good way of looking at at your cash flow. Like I just really didn't think about that when you initially asked me the question. I said, yeah, I'd just pay the debt off if I could or as quickly as possible. But, you know, obviously every circumstance is different and and actually being able to put some money into savings and being able to put some money into your investment portfolio does provide that reward to kind of keep you motivated. And it's a good reminder that, you know, you you are working towards your goals and you can work towards your goals and pay your debt off at the same time. Absolutely. And that goal piece is so important. So when I talk about debt reduction, it's important to also put a goal to that. Like go, okay, and I, I think I've already mentioned that, but you know, it, I want to pay this, I can afford to pay whatever, say $50 a week towards that debt. That's going to take me by looking at something like on the Money Smart website where you can, they've actually um, got, cal- you know, repayment calculators. You could actually look at that and go, right, I can clear this by three years if I pay 50. But if I paid 70, now, if I just don't, you know, if I cut back on something or if I, maybe do a side hustle, you know, or um, go and work in next door's cafe for a couple of hours every day. That's a side hustle. If I do something extra, then I can clear this debt within two years. Now, what happens if I clear that debt in two years, but I'm also growing my wealth at the same time? Well, if you're investing right, you might have just doubled your money. (laughs) You could do really well. I mean, look, we're talking on a really small scale, but let's look at it on a bigger scale. Most of my clients are doing this anyway. They've got a mortgage and they've got a superannuation. So they're clearing debt, which is good debt, by the way, because a good, and I'll talk about good debt, bad debt, but good debt meaning that it's actually going to create wealth for them anyway, long term. Um, And they're also, so they're clearing debt and they're also growing their wealth with superannuation. So that's something, again, for the mindset, although you might be clearing personal debt and going, right, okay, I was, we, we all make dumb mistakes, exactly what I did in the beginning uh, of this podcast where I said, you know, I got a credit card and it took me way longer than I expected to pay off and I didn't even own the item after, you know, by the time I paid it off. It wasn't even yours. It wasn't even mine anymore. It was someone in that cab, whoever got in the next cab would have gone, whoa, this is a really nice coat. <laughs> it must have been really yeah. nice, Amy. <laughs> I wish you had a photo. Do you at least have a photo? No, well, back then, we, it was the 90s. <laughs> oh, the, the 90s fashion was a bit of a vibe, I must admit. Oh, it's all come back. Anyway, we're, we're digressing. 80s can go in the bin, please. Just, <laughs> just put it in the bin. I never liked the 80s fashion. I'm so sorry. But I would have I would have been perfect for it because I have naturally really curly, buffy hair. So There you go. Yeah, I would have I fit right in. I wouldn't have even needed a perm. 
Anyway, we're digressing. Let's. We are digressing. We were talking. Where were we? We were speaking about. Oh yeah, another great a great tip. Another mindset tip is when when we're dealing with personal debt. No, we all make. I was that I was going on about my mistake. That's right. We all make mistakes, and don't beat yourself up because there you go. You've just learned a valuable lesson, and and in in fact, probably invaluable when you actually turn that around and create more positive habits, and then. The other thing is looking at your super. Go in and check out. Even if you're a startup, like, you know, Julia's age, you're in your early 20s, you're still going to have something, right? And if you calculate um, that less your debt, you might be in a positive net position. And as you grow, as you're growing your wealth working, so, you know, you might be in your 30s, again, you look at that less. I mean, obviously, it's harder to do when you've got a mortgage. That's a completely different ballgame. But you're looking at personal debt, just have a look at your, your super and go, you know what? I'm still building wealth. I'm all right. I'm doing okay. And if you do use a uh, you know, um, system like Raise where you can round up every time you go and buy a coffee, 50 cents can go to your investment um, portfolio in Raise. And then you can maybe put $10 a week towards Raise and, and just sit and forget. I think back on your point about how these lessons are actually invaluable and you might not even realize that at this point in time, but in most instances when we're in those situations, we look back and we go, oh, I'm never doing that again. Like Amy mentioned, she was never going to um, set herself up, up herself up under that reward system again and she learned, her, learned a very valuable lesson. And like we've all been there. I, I was there and I mentioned it in the first our ever, very first podcast episode about how I had invested a couple of thousand dollars into um, a particular stock and I had lost all my money. Um, obviously, again, another valuable mistake that I learned was to do my research in that moment. I know it's it's off topic about talking about cash flow. specifically. Really. Yeah, but this was a very valuable lesson that I learned from my mistakes. Um and then I went again and, and this this particular stock still haunted me today because then I found out that if um I found I learned that particular companies can actually repurchase stocks back if it's below five hundred dollars. And so this particular stock that I lost all my money on and never sold at a loss or anything, never crystallized that asset. Um and I found out that I had actually they they bought it back and sold sold the sold my stock and so that was another valuable lesson that I learned as well that I need to go and check the announcements of any of my check yes. the announcements that you receive on any of the stocks that you've purchased. I know it was a bit off topic, but that was that was no, my valuable but... lesson that I learned and I'll never make again. But yeah, I guess the lesson in this, I mean, if we're taking away lessons um, from this podcast today, one would be to look at your statements. Like my lesson was I just went, oh, cool, got this coat, off I go. It was just like sign the dotted line, didn't read the fine print, get the statements, don't really look at the statements, just see balance, you know, just see because what they do is, you know, they put the what the minimum payment is in bold, you know, and you go, oh, $50 or $40, whatever, oh, the app done, that's done for the month. And they're not, you're not looking at the bottom part of the page, which is in small writing with your statement of actual balance, total balance owing. So, you know, I was just being ignorant. I had my head in the sand when it came to money back then. And it was really when 
you know, besides that lesson, I went and started at the bank in uh, Kale, Kale was newborn. So over 17 years ago, I started at St. George Bank in the collections department. And that's what got me into financial planning because every call that I made, I found that they were in debt to the bank, either through a credit card, personal loan, or their mortgage. And every single conversation had a reason that could have been avoided through education, financial education, financial literacy, or insurance, life insurance, because it would have been either somebody had lost their job because they're through sickness and accident and they needed income protection and they didn't have it or they didn't understand the fine print or they didn't understand how to manage their money. I mean, there's some horrible, I mean, there's our situations where people go through divorce and things like that. That usually ends up getting settled later with sell, sell, you know, sale of a property or whatnot. But in most cases, it was stuff that you kind of go, well, if you if you are working, there is a way out of this. There usually is a way out of getting of, of your debt. You've just got to be proactive about it and you've just got to really want to be in control and actually improve your situation because no one wants debt collectors calling them, right? No, it's not, it would be a horrible feeling to have someone not, like calling you and asking for money, uh, well, your money that you owe. But I think it's also if you're in that situation, then it's completely fine and, you know, it's okay You just have to kind of be honest with yourself and ask yourself, what do you really want? Do you want to get out of this situation? If you do, you have to be proactive and actually commit to that and believe that you're going to be okay because you are going to be okay. You are going to be okay. If you're out there and you're listening to this, you're going to be okay. Like There is help out there. You just need to seek it and people will help you. Yeah. Absolutely. There's actually lots of financial counsellors out there as well. Um, There's lots of sort of... Uh, budgeting and debt management businesses that can help people. But I hope that our listeners are actually at a point where they're looking at their situation, they're listening to a podcast about investing and wanting to turn things around so they're wealth creating, they're, they're believers that wealth is theirs to have. And it is. It is yours and to it have. Is. Yes, you are Absolutely. deserving. I think a lot, like, I think we also repel money because we think we are not deserving of it and like you are yeah we you are deserving of all the money in the world as long as you know it's for the right and and moral reasons but you know okay you're starting to go on the on the verge there the edge of going over the the sort of manifesting the money coaching stuff i need to yeah we had that whole (laughs) lesson last night i'm feeling i'm feeling good yeah we need yeah so just just a bit of background people i'm a money set a money mindset coach and i and my business partner cara mollica are teaching um advisors and uh, financial professionals and Julie is one of our students as well how to implement the money mindset coaching process into a financial planning business Um, money mindset is probably the less woo-woo term to how do we really manifest what we want and there is a lot of science behind this and we're going to delve into a completely different episode if I keep going down this 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 spiral road here but what we talked about last night was how our subconscious works never switches off and our subconscious is developed at a very early age and that's where we absorb most of our stories, beliefs, values and whatnot. So if you find yourself in a holding pattern where you're constantly falling in back into debt or never being able to reach that financial goal, 
I would guarantee you that there will be some st- some money block, some story, some issue that has occurred with within you from a very early age. You're completely unaware, most likely, and that's actually your subconscious stopping you from you know because it's keeping you safe. Your, your, sub- your subconscious is designed to keep you alive, and that's it. Yeah, because the more that I'm learning about this, and the and that's why I keep bringing it back because the more that I learn about it, a lot of it does have to do because you can have all the resources in the world but if you don't have your mind set right and you you're repelling the money for whatever reason for whatever underlying issue you're not going to achieve that goal it's just it's just unfortunate but it's just the truth and so I think it's I keep coming back to that point because the more research and the more that I learn about it I'm like I could have all of the knowledge on how to clear my debt, but I, if I don't believe that I can clear that debt, then I'm not going to clear that debt. Like it's, I, you know, I put it in my head that it's just who I am as a person and I believe that to be true. But yeah, that's why I keep, I feel like I keep coming back to this conversation because I think it's my, it should be mindful when you're also trying to clear your debt as well. But yeah. I think we need to do an episode on this work that we're doing, but I reckon, well, we've got, we've already planned out the next four or five episodes. So maybe, Julia, you'll have completed the course. And once you've completed your course, we come back and we will do an episode on how you can get your money mindset right so that you can invest and make so much more than you currently have at the moment. Yeah. But also just in the interim, you know, get your savings sorted, evaluate your savings <laughs> plan. Yeah, let's get back to practical. Like I've gone, I've just gone completely off topic into um, sort of into my manifestation woo-woo land. But let's go back to this, the point of this um, episode was be aware, be, know your numbers. So the three key things I had stated earlier, it's like, no, there's two numbers you need to know. Know your numbers and what you're earning and all your fixed expenses. Then know deep down what your real numbers are when it comes to your debt. So go back and have a look at the interest rates. See if you can consolidate. See if you can actually get, if you've got a credit card debt, maybe you can do the interest free. And then plan through that, you know, 12 or 24 month of that interest free period so that you clear that debt during that period of time. And you cut up the other account and you make sure that other account that is being replaced is dead and gone. It doesn't, you know, and then you, what, what can happen is a interest-free rollover takes over the balance of the other credit card. What is that? What is an interest? So you're rolling all, you're consolidating all of your credit into an interest-free account. And interest-free, but it's usually the catch is it's interest-free for 12 months or 24 months. And thereafter, if there's any balance left, you pay that. It goes up to whatever it is. Like usually it's around 20%. So, like, And that's again back on our comp uh, from last, not last week, the week before's episode about compounding. This is bad compounding. Um, But yeah, also, and then I think if that's the case, if you're going to consolidate your accounts, then you should probably just work out if you can actually pay it off within the 12 months. Yes. Maybe. I mean, or if the, if the interest rates, you know, if the interest rate is going to be lower than the current interest that you're going to be paying, then that's also something to consider. Then maybe you could. Yeah, you've got to look at all the numbers. You've yeah. got to factor in a few different things. 100%. So just to confirm that, say I was, you know, saying, yeah, we go – we consolidate our debt and 
then we also need to have a goal to build our wealth because what's what happens when you clear your debt? You got to follow, if you don't change the pattern and don't change the behavior, you'll end up back in the same space. So it's really important. This is also why I'm a big believer that even if you've got debt, even if it's only five bucks, save it, invest it, put it away. And, but, you know, start creating a new behavior, a new habit. What do you do if you have, say, for example, like $50,000 of debt, some a really big number that is of personal debt, what would what strategy would you recommend for someone who's in that situation? Um, I actually do this. I've got – so I've got a client in that situation at the moment and so I've we've, – ri- we've listed every single thing. I then first and foremost went go and check your credit rating. So if she had a better credit rating than she did – we would then go and get her a – I would do some research, find out a good interest rate, personal loan, and based on that, we'd calculate a period, you know, how much she could afford because right now she's paying over $1,000 a month to clear this and she's getting nowhere, nowhere fast, right, because you've got credit cards, you've got loans and all sorts of things all scattered over the place. So then what we're going to – what I'd be recommending, first try and get the personal loan so then it's consolidated into one interest rate that we can calculate and then paid off. In this instance, if the, if the credit rating is not that great, we then do the snowball effect, exactly the same thing that I spoke of earlier, but we're dealing with a larger number. At the same time, if someone has been able to borrow $50,000, you've got to also look at their borrowing capacity. How much, in, how much income are they earning? They're probably on a higher income. The banks wouldn't just hand that to somebody who's earning twenty grand. they are going to be handing that to somebody who has a six-figure income and has been you know, managing their cash flow for – but they, what happens is people get into the trap. It's instant gratification that world – that we live in and you know it's like I have every intention of clearing that debt and then the, the new shiny thing comes and then you go and buy and, you know I'm um, oh look interest free at Harvey Norman oh look freedom have got this offer and I can buy the new sofa and I don't need, need to pay anything for 24 months then all of a sudden 24 months come around how quick the last two years go and then all of a sudden you've got this extra payment on top of everything else you've got to pay and and then it just sort of becomes this overload more 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 i mean we are in the world of you know consumerism we do constantly we have advertising thrown at us every i think 5000 times a day of advertising and it's, it's something more ridiculous it sounds terrifying like if i was in that situation i'd just feel like i was suffocating and like i think if yeah i think if i was i think the first thing i would do would be to I probably have to just get real with myself and be like, Julia, what are you doing? Like, and then I would be like, then I would seek financial advice because I realized that I couldn't do it on my own. And then I'd probably see a psychologist to help get my mindset right or, or seek a a money mindset course. Like what you said, I I would be going down the road. See financial advice. A lot of people have this misconception that financial advisors set your budgets. Yes, we can do that. But there is a lot of work that you would need to do. As you know, when you've seen me, I kind of go, this is the formula, this is what you need to do, unless you want me to take hold your hand step by step, which could be quite an expensive experience because our expertise is also in 
investment strategies and superannuation and how you can grow your wealth. So if it's if it's put together and you've got you know a decent super fund and you've got a plan to buy property and you've got some savings and then you've got this debt, absolutely, financial advisor is the perfect person to see. But if you've got huge amounts of debt and are struggling with your cash flow then you may find that you need someone who's going to like more of a money mindset coach and also maybe a financial counselor, which is very different to a financial advisor. So where do people, because I haven't really heard of financial counselors, where can you seek them? Just we'll Google have put some in, Yeah, Google. Yeah, they're out there. There's financial counseling services out there. There's also businesses that can, uh, and I don't really agree with this, but there are businesses like My Budget, which will basically garnish your income and pay your debt and just give you a small amount to live off. But I don't see that as a way of changing your pa- your habits and behaviors. Yeah, I think a lot I, of it stems from internally. Yeah, so I, I would be I'd be focused more on getting someone who's going to work on your habits and behaviors and work out what's the root cause of getting you into this cycle anyway. Yeah, because you might be able to get yourself out, but then it's about ensuring that you don't get back in there. Back in there and then also trying to get yourself into a space where you're also generating wealth through investing. That's the goal, right? I mean, our listeners are listening to this because they want to learn how to grow their wealth and invest, right? So if if that's a start if that's the the motivator there then you're on already a little bit on that right path because you've already got something you've got your eyes on the prize so that's the key is focusing and that's why I keep saying even if it's a small amount put something towards that don't just put some money aside to grow your wealth as well as to clear debt i'm sure that there are people who are going to completely dis, uh, disagree with me and that's absolutely fine too we all have our ways and opinions I have my reasons. Yeah, I also just want to mention that, like, I did say it would be terrifying if I had a lot of debt and I didn't know what to do. But also, don't like, even if you are feeling a little bit ashamed, don't like. It's okay. You're going to be okay. And being and firstly, getting honest with yourself is the first step, and that should feel good in itself as well, because then you know that you can take proactive steps to getting you into the right space. So. Yeah, definitely don't bury your head head in the sands um, because it's going to just keep coming back until you actually deal with the with the problem. And yeah, it can come in many forms. You know, we all we all come. Yeah, we're not perfect. We've we've all got our own problems. Trust me. A hundred percent. Well, I hope that um, some of this stuff has been very practical because I mean we could go on and on. I think we've set, we've really clearly stated some of the key things there to consider when you have debt and how to clear debt. Um, and I'm a big believer in doing a bit of both. Um, but you know, as Julia, if, if you're in a situation like Julia where you're living at home, you don't have any real expenses and you've got some savings, then yeah, get out of debt. Get out of debt and. Um, just a quick one. I didn't really go into it, but there's good debt, there's bad debt. So good debt is debt that's actually creating you wealth and could be a tax deduction towards that wealth. So for example, um, you have a mortgage and you use some of that, um, you refinance because you've got equity against your property and you get another investment property and that part of the mortgage then is a tax deduction. That would be good debt. Bad debt is when you're 
got credit card debt and personal loan debt. Some people would even argue that bad debt is um, a mortgage against an investment property. However, I look at that as something that is debt, sorry, wealth creating. So if it's going to... Why do people look at it as bad debt if you're refinancing on your, on a loan? Because it's 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 not the primary property and that a investment property will still attract tax and capital gains tax. Yeah. So when... Whenever you go to so sell, it's, it's still it's it would be considered more of a lifestyle asset versus sort of your property. Mm, interesting. I know. I just that's I have come across. I have heard in a podcast this concept, but I don't see it that way. I see, I see if it's investment debt, it's positive. It's good debt, um, especially if it's tax deductible. Um, and but I have seen doozies where people think that they're getting in good debt, but it's a terrible investment. That's a whole new, that's a whole different thing, a kettle of fish. Um, Essentially a terrible investment. I mean, obviously, if I was to buy property, I'd consider all of the the avenues, like, you know, where your location and how much it's costing. Can- yeah, but some, some people get sold off the plan with an SMSF sales guy. And, you know, in the past, this kind of doesn't happen anymore because um, we have even stricter regulation on advice. But there used to be sort of the process of getting couples in, getting them set up with an SMSF, getting them into um, a property of the plan sort of geared, which is does not make sense when you've got um, super. Um, anyway, look, I, I we're going in a completely different tangent here. I've just seen some doozies because of my job, what I do for a living, and um, stuff comes across my desk and I just go, whoa, wow, how did that happen? And I mean, I could write a book on that stuff, but it's not why we're here today. So I better stop digressing and bring it back to what we're talking about, how you can kick your goals, clear debt, manage your cash flow. Yes, you can do it, guys. It's possible. (laughs) Three easy steps. But I definitely, yeah, that's, I actually found it really interesting because we, you know, Amy did her um, managing her cash flow separately from me. But when I reviewed them, it's kind of how I do it as well, which actually made me feel really good because I can't I can't follow a budget, a strict and stringent like budget. I have to I find it easier to just evaluate what I'm earning, what my expenses are, and then ensuring that I'm in a positive position to also be saving some money and then setting up the automated payments because set and forget. And then I know I'm, I mean, a problem if, um, well, not forget, but you obviously going to review, but, um, review it as, as often as you can, but yeah, but then I'll, I'll know if I'm, if I'm doing bad, if I've overspent for the, for the time that I've estimated and the amounts that I've estimated. Yeah. My, my cash flow modeling system is based on already what you spend, already what you live off. When, we then only limit it and restrict it if you're spending more than you're earning. But the idea is then actually restructuring it so that the money is funneled to where it needs to go so that you then can get ahead where you should be going So, and that you're not less sort of losing money along the way. So looking at 90 days is a really good way of capturing absolutely everything and then we work from there so we can then and I, I think what I'll need to do is create a bit of a, a loom video and I'll put that on YouTube and that can be part of our show notes just to show you what I mean in capturing 90 days 
and how I how I create my cash flow modeling plan. I do it old school, guys. It's all on a spreadsheet. <laughs> I was yeah, I was gonna say I was thinking it'd be really great if we could provide a useful resource for you guys to be able to see what we mean a bit more visual like visually and be able to utilize it um to your benefit. Well thank you so much. We've been online for nearly an hour, so we better roll <laughs> Roll on out. Have a wonderful week, everyone. I hope that this information has been helpful. Reach out if you've got any questions. Share the love. Share. Uh, don't forget to subscribe if you are liking what we're doing. Um, jump on our socials. Don't hesitate to um, make comments, put out questions, maybe even ideas that you want to hear from us. Yeah, send us an email. And if you have any, yeah, if you have any questions about your finances in particular, send us a message and we can, you know, we can review them anonymously (laughs) on the show. Um, But thanks. Yeah, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Equity Girls. So we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening today. Before you go, I want to remind you that everything discussed is general in nature. We are unaware of your personal circumstances, so the information we have discussed may not be right for you. It is important to consider your personal situation and seek financial advice from a licensed advisor. Amy Baker is an authorised representative of Lifestyle Asset Management Propriety Limited, Australian Financial Service Licence 288241. Recap Advice is a trading name of Recap Enterprises Propriety Limited, ABN 226078542400, a corporate authorised representative of Lifestyle Asset Management, AFSL 288241. I would also like to acknowledge the Bidigal and Gadigal people who are the traditional custodians of this land. I would like to pay respects to the elders, both past and present, of the Bidigal and Gadigal nations and extend that respect to other Aboriginal people. Thank you for listening and don't forget to share the love by sharing this podcast. Have a wonderful day wherever you are.